Father God, we just want to come before you this morning on this beautiful Easter morning uh, and just remember, remember how much you love each and every one of us. Lord, Resurrection Sunday is a Sunday where we get to focus on, uh, on you caring so much for us that you've come to this world to, to give us a new, fresh start. On Thursday, Lord, we focused on the brokenness of the cross, on how each of us comes to this place this morning broken in one way or another, whether it's emotionally or whether there are things in our lives that aren't working the way that there should be or whether it's health. No matter what, we all have brokenness in our lives. And the Thursday, we focused on that, that because of our sin and brokenness, you came to be with us. Today, today we focus on the fact that the tomb is empty, that that out of death, new life comes. Today we focus on the fact that each of us gets a chance to restart each and every day because of your love and care for us. So Lord, whatever we bring into this place this morning, we pray that your spirit be here amongst us. Do you fill us to overflowing? Out of despair comes hope. Out of death comes life. That all of us leave today with feeling closer to you and accepting the fact that because of your resurrection, all has been washed clean. Amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the, Lord God man, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. In the beginning, God created. He took what was nothing, what was dead, what was chaos, and he ordered it. He gave it life. He made it beautiful. In the beginning, God formed man, Adam, out of the dust of the ground, a pile of dust, dead, nothing, until he breathed into him the breath of life. And then suddenly, what had no life was filled with life. What was dead came alive. In the beginning... God had created the heavens and the earth, making dead things live. Because that's what God does. He brings life to what's dead. He took chaos and he ordered it. And he declared it to be good, very good. But then he handed it over to us, to rule over, to fill the earth, to subdue it, to cultivate it, to take care of the beautiful thing that God has created. God said, take what is alive and help it to thrive. But as we reflected on Thursday, we often fail to do that, don't we? Right from the beginning, we as collective humanity took what was alive and we betrayed our call. Instead of working to help things thrive, we destroyed we broke our relationship with God. We broke our relationship with, with nature. We broke our relationships with each other. And just as God said it would, what was alive began to die. From dust you came, he says, to dust you will return. And so 
Humans were cast from the garden. Here's the thing, though. The story could have just ended there. It would have been easy for God to say, hey, you had your shot, I told you what you needed to do, and you blew it. But it doesn't. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you'll eat dust all the days of your life, and I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. the story we see throughout scripture over and over again instead of allowing death to overcome life right from the beginning of the story god promises restoration he promises hope he promises renewal instead of striking us down and starting over god offers us another option instead of destroying everything he invites us the very ones who broke it all to join him in his mission of restoring all things. From what was dead, right away in Genesis 3, we have a promise of new life coming out of it. And throughout, throughout the Old Testament, that's what we see. Whether it was Noah, or Abraham, or Moses, or Rahab, or Ruth, or David, all of them are invited by God into joining him in bringing life to what was dead. Now, Throughout the Old Testament, there were some bright spots, sometimes when people got it right. But, unfortunately, what we see there is we couldn't accomplish what we were called to do. Israel fails to be the light on the hill it was to be. Again and again, throughout the Old Testament, we bring what was intended to bring life, unfortunately, brings death. We see, once again, we, 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 we had failed in the calling that we received we severed our relationship with God, with the land that he promised to us. We destroyed the relationships with each other. We divided kingdoms. We chased after the idols of sex, money, power, and influence. Which is unfortunately so true today as well, isn't it? We chase after those same things. We've been called into the same mission of bringing life, and yet so often we fall short. And so once again, at the end of the Old Testament, we see that Israel is cast out. It's exiled. See the Lord. The Lord Almighty will lop off the brass with great power. The lofty trees will be felled. The tall ones will be brought low. He will cut down the forest thickets with an axe. Lebanon will fall before the mighty one. Israel had been called to bring life to what was dead. And once again, they failed to do it. And so they were cast out. Now the thing is, the story could have ended there as well. We gave it a good try. I told you what we needed to do. Here it was, and we didn't make it. There was another invitation and another failure to fulfill it, another death where life should have been. But the story doesn't end there either. Just a little later in Isaiah, it says, "This a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Even amidst our failure, what we see is from a stump, something that was dead. The promise of new life comes out. 
from hopelessness, a new hope is promised. And so Jesus comes. We were called to partner with God to restore what was broken, to bring life to what God to bring life, to bring to, to bring the life of God to what was dead. But we failed. And so God Himself becomes one of us. See, sin entered the world and began to kill what was alive. We see right from the beginning our relationship with the creation was broken. Instead of a garden watered by mists, we have storms. Instead of food readily available, we have famine and flood. Instead of healthy bodies, we have sickness. Sin entered the world and began to kill what was alive. Our relationships with each other were destroyed. What was meant to be two become one, right at the beginning becomes this woman you put here with me. Shortly after, what was meant to be brotherly love becomes murder. What was meant to be care for one another becomes exploitation, manipulation, and greed. Sin entered the world and began to kill what was alive. A relationship with God was broken. Instead of working with him in the garden, we hid. Instead of living in his blessings, we reject him for the things that are fleeting and less than. Sin entered the world and began to kill what was alive. And so God invited us to help him fix it. But we failed time and time again. So he came in our stead. And what does Jesus do? He succeeds where we failed. What do we, what, what do we see him do? We see him calm storms, fixing our relationship with nature. We see him feed the hungry, caring for people in the way that we were called to do. We see him heal the sick, setting right the brokenness in our bodies that was never intended to be there. He succeeds where we failed. Just to forgive, to reconcile, he offers mercy. And so what we see is in him what was dead begins to find new life. What was supposed to be existing in Eden is expressed and, and realized in Jesus himself. If you look through the miracles of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, what it does is it restores the kind of relationship we were supposed to have with God and with each other in the garden itself. Jesus literally begins to work to turn the clock back to where we started into this beautiful place in which life flourishes. Until, in the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they say, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in the Lord. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, 
Eli, Eli, lama shemathni, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. What had brought life was now dead, and we killed him. What was meant to restore the relationship that God created us to have had died. And so for those who witnessed it, hope was lost. We had failed in the garden. Israel had failed. And now it appeared for a moment that God himself had failed. It appeared that it was over, finished, death had won. Can you even imagine what those who had hoped in Jesus were feeling at that particular moment? My guess is I, that you probably can, actually, if you've ever lost hope. Have you ever been in one of those situations where tomorrow just seemed bleaker and darker than the day before it? You probably understand a little bit of what they were feeling. Or if you've ever had an area in your life in which it seems like brokenness owned you, that ruled over an area of your life, and no matter how much you tried, it seemed to keep coming back over and over and over again. Have you ever been in a spot where you just go, I guess this is the way it's going to be? Then you probably understand a little bit of what the hopelessness had to feel like on that particular day. If you've ever seen what was alive in your life take a turn towards death, the hope that you had turned towards despair, then you probably know a little bit about what they were feeling that morning. You can understand the feeling what was meant to be alive is now dead. Friday is dark. The tomb is sealed. And just like in the rest of the scripture, the story could have ended there. Instead of allowing God to restore everything that he created, we killed him instead. But it doesn't end there. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter, which I think is a funny thing to put in when you're John, right? Hey, by the way, I know we were racing, but I beat him. Don't worry. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen, but didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. This cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still didn't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary, this is what Lisa read earlier as well, stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, 
she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Women, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. Sin entered the world, and what was alive began to die. Until, three days after sin's ultimate victory, after it appeared that hope had been defeated, that life would give way to death. A shoot shoots up from the stump of Jesse. Life bursts forth from the tomb. Hope restored, redemption, renewal all on display. See, Jesus comes and continues the mission he started. Right away with Mary, he brings joy to sorrow. Shortly after, he restores the hope of two men on the way to Emmaus, saying, they said, I thought he was the one. He goes, I am. Here I am. Restore faith to Thomas, dignity to Peter. We see the curtain itself tear in two, restoring our relationship with God. Because he's alive, what was dead in the world begins to come alive again. We were invited into that process and failed at every turn. Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, Judas. God invited us into his plan for redemption, and instead of bringing life, we created death and destruction. But the story doesn't end there, because Jesus came and accomplished what we were meant to accomplish. He brings life back to what was dead, and then invites us again to join him in that process. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. So when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in the last days and they will prophesy. Because of the resurrection, the veil is torn. The curtain that separates us from God is ripped in two opening us up into an entirely new kind of relationship with God, one in which he comes to us through the person of the Holy Spirit and fills us with his pneuma, his ruach, his breath, 
See, Jesus promises to fill us and breathe life into what was dead. And then he says to us, now you go and breathe life into each other. See, Jesus still calls each of us to join him in his restoration process. The mission has always been the same. Take what is dead and make it alive again. Take what is beautiful and help it to thrive. But where we were once separated from God, we're now filled with the Spirit. Where we were once dead, a new life is offered. Until Jesus, the, slow, the world slowly moved to, from life towards death. But now death has been defeated. It does not get the final say. Jesus came so that we may have life, and he wants us to live that life into the fullness of what we were created to live it. God invited Adam to take what was and to help it to thrive. But we took what was alive and we killed it. In Jesus, God took what was dead and gave it new life. And so the calling of Adam is renewed. Through the Spirit, we're called to take what is and help it to thrive, to bring life back to what was dead again, to encourage each other, to work together, to turn the things around us to look a little bit more like heaven than they do hell. This past, uh, past week, last week, uh, two weeks ago, I mean, uh, I had an opportunity to, to take a little vacation. We went to Florida with the family. It was an awesome time of relaxation. And I was actually struck in a really profound way by something that's kind of silly, but it's meant a lot to me and I can't stop thinking about it. So I'm going to share it with you. So you might laugh at me, that's okay. So one of the days when we, we were in Florida, we were at Cocoa Beach, uh, which is right next to Cape Canaveral, um, and I'm a good space nerd, so I was like, if I'm going to be in Cape Canaveral, I have to go to the Kennedy Space Center, right? I just need to do it because I wanted to see what was there. And so luckily, uh, Jen and Katie were not that interested in that, so they didn't come with me, but Emma did. So Emma and I had a great day together. The two of us got to go and see those things. And there was one experience that was really, really special. Um, we were, we had, so at, at the Kennedy Space Center in Florida, um, it, the, the space shuttle Atlantis is there, so the actual space shuttle, the one they used, and it's retired, and it's in that space. And to go see it, you go through this experience. So you walk in, uh, and you start in this large room uh, where they play you this short video about how the space shuttle program started. And so uh, it just so happened to work on this particular day. I'm there with Emma, and this is towards the end of the day, so we had already had all the feels of just some good time spending with my daughter. Though She's embarrassed now. Sorry, Emma. But it was good that day, wasn't it? Yeah, okay. So we had those good feels going on. And then we're watching the, the, how the space shuttle program starts, and right next to me uh, is an 80-year-old veteran. Right? He's got a little walker, he's got his cap on, and as soon as the video starts, he starts crying because he's moved and you know, emotional in this space. So that gets me in that kind of feel space too. But what was so interesting is that this, there was this team of people who were told they have to build a space shuttle, a reusable space shuttle, something that can go into space, complete its mission, and come and land again which may not sound all that impressive in the world that we live in now, but when they started that program, it, it was said to be impossible. There's no way we can do it. It's too much. There's too many different variables between reentry, between getting out there, between able to do missions, between safety protocols, all that kind of stuff. It was impossible. It shouldn't have been able to be done. But that team said we can do it. 
And so for 12 years, they put everything else aside and they worked together to accomplish this amazing thing. They were able to overcome all of the problems because they were focused on a goal. And there was a really, really powerful moment in the midst of this as well because after we, be after we watched this video on how the space shuttle program works, you move us into this other room and in the front there's this big screen and then there's actually screens that go all the way up over your head. Right? So if you ever need a little boost of patriotism, this is your place to go because it'll get all, that, all those juices flowing, right? So they bring you into this other room and all these screens light up and they start to show uh, the different launches of the different space shuttles that go up. They play really dramatic music, as you can imagine. Uh, they have some of the president's speeches for when those things were going up. Uh, got an 80-year-old veteran next to me now crying even more than before. So you're, right, you're really starting to get those feels going. And what was so cool about it is that right as the Atlantis is starting to launch before, um, you know, so it's starting to go up and they're counting down, um, they get to the, to, the, to the liftoff portion of it and the screen that you're watching actually becomes transparent and right behind it is the actual space shuttle itself, which is a pretty cool experience, right? You're like, whoa. And so Emma and I got an awesome picture by it. So there it is. There's the two of us by the giant spaceship. But the reason I share that story, the reason it affected me so much, the reason that I, that I, that I wanted to share it this morning as well, is because in a lot of ways, the program that they had to create represents a lot of what we do because of Jesus on Easter. You had a group of people that all come from different places, different backgrounds, different understandings, who, have, who are given a task to focus on, and they build something amazing. They build something that, that was impossible to do, that can go to space and come back. Now, clearly, we're not called to just build spaceships, right? But, the, but that's the mission that Jesus has given to each of us. He says to all of us in this space, focus on me. Focus on the fact that I, want, I, I loved you so much I wanted to be here with you. And so that in that space then, when we focus on those kinds of things, when we, we can put all of the other things away. All of us here have different perspectives on things. We have different opinions on things. We have different positions we come from. But what we can do if we focus on Jesus is put all of that aside and accomplish the mission that we've been given from the beginning, which is to breathe new life into what was dead. We can live out the resurrection over and over and over again. When we focus on something together, which in the Bible is constantly calling us to be Jesus, we can accomplish amazingly impossible things. The charge given to the church was to breathe life into what was dead and create a kind of heaven on earth, which when we look around us feels impossible, doesn't it? Probably very similar to the people who needed to build a space shuttle. And yet, through the resurrection, we know that what was impossible is possible. That when we focus on Christ... The kind of life we can breathe into this world is heavenly and unbelievable. Paul says it this way, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family on heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. 
and to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Just think about that for a minute. And then this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is in work with us, within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Jesus has called us through his spirit to let his power work through us, to bring life back to what was dead, to do immeasurably more than we can even imagine. And so Paul gives this charge as a prisoner for the Lord then. I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Again, focusing ourselves on Jesus so we can accomplish the task that he's, been given, that he's given to us. Because there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. See, Resurrection Sunday is the reminder that whatever brokenness we come into this place with, we get a new chance today because he is alive. Resurrection Sunday is the declaration that no matter how bad things have gotten, how broken it seems, that tomorrow is always a day filled with hope. See, sin entered the world and began to kill what was meant to be alive, but Jesus lives. He brings back to life what was dead. The curtain has been torn. Our relationship with God has been restored in Jesus, and so we can be filled with new life, with new breath through the Spirit so that we can live into the mission that's existed from the beginning and work to create a little bit, to make this place look a little bit more like heaven than hell to live into the mission that Jesus has given us and the hope that comes because what has died is now alive in Christ. Amen? Will you pray with me? Father God, we just pray this morning that we can experience the hope that, that, that your new life brings. That the things in our lives that feel dead can be restored because your spirit lives in us. Lord, we know the curtain has been torn, that our relationship with you is, can be restored. And so, God, we pray that we can live into that fullness, the fullness of life that comes from knowing you deeply. But, God, not let it, don't let us keep it for ourselves. The life that you breathe into us isn't meant to be kept for just us. Lord, inspire us, give us wisdom to work together with each other to then breathe new life into those who are here and those who aren't. May we be agents in this world that bring peace, that strive for unity, that strive to love those who, are, who feel unloved. May we have hearts for the marginalized. May we care for the broken. May we ultimately, in everything we do, seek to see your kingdom come. Lord, in each of us, breathe life into what was dead. Restore what was broken. And give us the courage to do the same. Amen.